listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Amen. Thanks, worship team. You can clap for that. Appreciate that. Take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to Matthew chapter 15. If uh, you don't have a Bible with you this morning and you would like one, our wonderful ushers are coming down the aisle. They have a Bible in their hand, a loner, and you can borrow that, and then when you're done with it, just leave it there. I do encourage you to get a Bible of your own. If you don't have one and would like one, you don't own a Bible and you'd like a Bible, then at the end of the service, go to the long desk out there in the lobby area and say, hey, I'd like a Bible. And they would give you one. It's free of charge. Uh, it's, it's not to give to somebody else. It's for you, <laughs> for you to read it, and that's what we ask. If you're not going to read it, don't take it. Uh, so I encourage you with that. Also, take out your uh, outline out of your uh, novel that's here this morning. There's an outline inside here. And don't, don't get nervous. It's two-sided. And there's lots of fill-in-the-blanks. And you're going, how am I supposed to fill in all those blanks? I, I, and I've got, let me tell you, I've got so many extra verses on here, you're going to be writing like crazy. That's why I provided a help for you. On this a study guide, they're in the back, uh, in the lobby area, under the life group desk. Uh, pick up one of these. It's not only the, the questions for uh, those who go through the sermon-based studies on, the li- on their life group, but also on the back are all the answers and all the extra verses. So you're going to want to grab these. Uh, so if you just get, but try to write them down. It's always fun to see if you can keep up with me in that way, because we've got a great time this morning as we look into God's word and, and study this area of purity So I want to encourage you with that as we walk through this. You know, one of the things that we're doing with this uh, series in in the dust of the rabbi uh, is that we're taking larger chunks of scripture usually. This Sunday morning is a little different, but we're taking larger uh, chunks of scripture and uh, we're preaching one segment here and then over at our Los Alamitos branch, we're preaching a different segment. So if you want to get both, you go to the website and there's a little confusion right now of, of where it is. We're going to get it straightened out. So you can go on the website, go down to sermons and you can just click on whether you're listening to me here or you're listening to Pastor Justin over in the branch, but you'll be able to do that. Matter of fact, the, 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 we're both preaching this Sunday on the same passage and you should go listen to Pastor Justin. He's a phenomenal preacher and uh, I love his insight I'm, I want to go listen to that and uh, as well but because we both have some great insights as we take a look at this passage and you want to do that because we're preaching the same passage this morning. So I, I want to encourage you with that. But this morning in this series, uh, we're talking about purity. Now, as a society, um, we are a, a, a bit obsessive with purity. <laughs> One person wrote in on a blog saying this, I can't stand the thought of germs. I wash my hands over 40 times a day and use hand sanitizer about 20. I spend two hours every day cleaning and dusting and de-germing. I have over 20 bottles of sanitizer and and many cleaning products like disinfected wipes and so forth in their home. (laughs) Uh, We have disinfected spray at the gym, uh, wipes at the grocery store to wipe off the carts, antibacterial soap in the bathrooms, bottles and dispensers uh, of sanitizer all over the place. And for those of us who are slightly OCD, we're going, yes, <laughs> we love it. Uh, and, and we love cool little things that help us. Like, I, I love this thing. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this. You ever heard of the life straw? It's amazing. If you go backpacking or camping, you have to have one of these. What you do is you just take it off and you go down to any polluted pool and you just, 
and you can drink and it's pure water comes out. It's amazing. No, it's nothing dropping in your, your Clorox in your bottle or anything like that. You just go and use the Life Star and it's got a little handy strap. You can just wear it with you wherever you go. I don't think it'd be a good idea to wear it in public. People might wonder. If you go up to your glass of water and breathe it in, it just might not. But maybe we ought to at times. <laughs> but I love things like the Life Strap. You guys don't seem that excited about it. <laughs> it's a good thing. And some of you are going, yes, I want to get one of those. But, but seeking purity is a good thing. Uh, for health reasons uh, and food, you know, nobody wants all the, the GMOs, genetically modified uh, organisms. We want purity in our drinking water. But also we desire of others and ourselves a purity of character and thought. Uh, we want people and we want to be people who are honest, who are pure, who have pure motives and are caring and kind. We want purity relationally, uh, w- with friends and with family. And in a marriage and before, we want that sexual purity, and, and especially in, in society, uh, in pure motives and morals of our leaders. Yet it seems that we're, we're lacking in how to be pure. I mean, we just can look around at the impurity in our society. You've probably faced troubles of impureness in a relationship somewhere, or maybe even in a marriage, or uh, at work, or, or, or in the government. We are in need of help and instruction in this area of purity. And God has been coaching and teaching and leading and providing for our purity and how to live pure from the beginning. In Old Testament times, God set up his law to not only provide for temporary, moral, and spiritual help in this area of purity, but also to expose the true impure nature of our heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We, and, and we can't in, uh, fix our impure nature of our heart, that, that core of our being, not the physical pumping of blood, but that core of our being. We can't fix it by following traditions or, or counter that, that this uh, impurity with, with clean actions. We're in a difficult place. Isaiah 59 verses 2 and 3 puts it this way. Your iniquities, that's your impurities, your, your, your sins... Uh, have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and with your fingers with iniquity and your lips have spoken lies and your tongue mutters wickedness. And it seems hopeless. And what's even worse, we can't do anything about this condition that we're in. But the truth is there is hope. There is a way to be made pure, not based on our efforts, but from someone like the life straw that changes impure water to pure, Jesus is that someone who makes us pure. For he is pure. Uh, called in, and, and again, you don't have to write all these down, just get the notes here, but, but maybe write one or two of them down. But in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 24, in John chapter 6, verse 69, in Acts 3, verse 14, and in the book of Revelation, verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 7 and beyond, all speak of Jesus being the Holy One of God. Holy, meaning perfect, meaning pure. Referred to in Hebrews 7.26 as the holy high priest. Again, the example of perfection. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it talks about the sinless Jesus, one without sin. 
in Hebrews 4.15, being tempted like us, Jesus was, but yet did not give in to sin. And 1 Peter 1.9 calls Jesus the spotless lamb. Now that refers, uh, in Exodus, uh, uh, talking about the Passover, that they had to choose this spotless lamb, that every year, as the Jewish people would remember their exodus out of uh, Egypt, they would remember they needed to sacrifice a spotless lamb that would cover them, that the death angel would go over, and Jesus is that spotless lamb for us. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, talks about Jesus who has committed no sin. And I could go on and on and on. All of Scripture proclaims Jesus as perfect, pure. And what's great about his purity is this. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, it's on your notes. I wanted you to get this verse. And everyone who thus hopes in him, hopes in Jesus, purifies himself, for Jesus is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he, Jesus, appeared to take away sin. And in him there is no sin. To put our hope in Jesus is to believe. Now believe, a belief is, is a lot more than just simply knowing. There's some action that, that the belief requires. Actually, it, it's a verb to believe. And, and it means to, to admit, to admit that we're sinful. Uh, that we're not pure. And that admission is, in how we believe in God is to admit, yes, okay, I understand that I'm, I'm impure, that, that I, I, I'm not uh, perfect, and I, ha- I am a sinner. The Bible says we're all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, the problem is that that sin problem is that we have that separation between us and God, but yet God provided a Savior for us. That's why Jesus is called the Savior. <laughs> he saved us from that sinful condition by paying the penalty for our sin when he died on a cross. He took our sin upon him, Jesus did, and paid the penalty when he died. And how you benefit from that is to believe, not just know, but actually admit that not only are you sinful, but that he is your savior. He's mine. And then it's a commitment to do the best we can to live life his way, to to act on that purity and to move that purity through our life. See, uh, it's not that we just simply know and that's it. And we're somehow just made pure on the inside, and that's, and that's all we do. We, we need to act pure and to practice our purity. Before, keep your finger in Matthew chapter 15 and turn over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses, write down verses 1 to 4. Verse 4 will be up on the screen, but I want to read you verses 1 to 3. Paul's writing to the Romans and he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in this impure nature, this this sin that grace may abound? Because even though you may have believed, you should just go on just living life any way you want to, sin or not sin. No, he says, you know, we're not to continue in that, that grace may abound by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you know that all of us have been baptized into Christ's Jesus were baptized into his death. In other words, that when he paid the penalty for our sin, we were, the word baptized means to be immersed in or to be dipped into, that we have been, been, been swallowed up with that. When Jesus paid the penalty, it's like as if we paid the penalty. We benefit from that. We therefore were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that Jesus, in, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we might walk in newness of life. If you have your own Bible, or even if you don't, just underline that thing, walk in newness of life. 
You see, the, the idea is we are to walk in newness of life, to live life Jesus' way. That's to practice purity. It's to love others like Jesus, to be kind like Jesus, to reach out to others like Jesus, to, to worship God like Jesus, to do God's will and to follow God's moral way like Jesus. That's walking in the newness of life or living pure. It's still a choice because, you see, pure living is not automatic. We need to learn how. Now, in Jesus' day, and even today, there's a tendency to think purity is only something we put on, uh, like a garment or, or like, like painting over a rust. Matter of fact, uh, Pastor Justin actually came up with this illustration. He found it uh, online. How many of you have seen the Queen Mary? Most of you have living in this area. It's right out here in Long Beach. Beautiful boat. You can see the, the, those huge smokestacks. They're beautiful and shiny. When the Queen Mary was in, uh, in uh, being used by the queen and traveling around, that ship was in tip-top condition. Everything was spit-shined and to the quality of the queen, and, and especially those smokestacks. Uh, they were painted uh, sometimes uh, yearly, if not more than that, you know, thick coats of paint around that. Well, when they took the Queen Mary to put it in its port in, uh, in Long Beach, they wanted to, to uh, uh, renovate it and to make sure everything was safe. And um, the way those smokestacks were made is that there was a huge, thick sheet metal uh, put in that uh, oblong shape and, and put in that those cylinders were created and they were painted over. Well, over the years, uh, with the sea air and the, the, the heating and cooling, uh, rust came in there and rusted out the entire uh, metal. And so when they took them out to uh, fix them, they just crumbled because all they were were paint. <laughs> And see, a lot of times in life, we can think of ourselves in the same way, that all we, all we need to do with our life, so, so, okay, so we're impure, that's okay, well, let's just put on a new coat of paint. But the truth is that rust continues and it, and it just defiles the whole body and makes a big mess out of that. And people think that we can just simply paint it over and that's okay. But Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 to 20, Rabbi Jesus, our teacher, the one we follow to let his wisdom settle on us. That's the whole idea of the dust of the rabbi, that we're to follow so close to Jesus as he's kicking up his dust, that dust settles on us, that wisdom settles on us, and we learn from that. And so Jesus, in this teaching, confronts this thinking of putting on purity and gives us three truths about purity to live by. And I know this is a really long introduction. You're thinking, wow, this is the introduction. This sermon is going to be long. No, don't worry, it will be short, but stand up, let's pray so we can get on with this. I'm glad you're here. God's got some good things already. I know he's challenged already just even what we've talked about, but let's ask him to, to teach us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the purity that you have given us through Jesus. And God, I pray this morning that that truth will hit home to each one of us. We will get that you have made us pure when we believe. And Lord, you will help us understand that we need to practice that purity to let it come out in our life. And so Lord, teach us. Teach us what you want us to hear. Help us to really listen, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat back. Take out your outline. Get your pens ready. We're going to move through this passage as we get together. So uh, three truths about purity to live by. The first truth is life purity is a heart issue. So I know that you were in Romans. Now flip back to Matthew Chapter 15, our text for this morning. And let's look at just the first few verses. Uh, well, actually, verses 1 to 9, but let me read you the first two verses. 
And you can get the scene, what's happening here. Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do, you, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. What was going on here is that as they were going along, the, the, uh, the disciples and Jesus were talking along and they'd pick up a piece of fruit and they'd munch on it. They didn't go through the ceremonious uh, washing that the elders, uh, the, these, these uh, uh, elders of the Jewish faith, these uh, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and, and Levitical workers in the temple, they all did. And they told everybody they had to do all these things. And so they didn't do them. So the elders questioned them thinking that, you know, we're the, we're the kind of the keepers of what's righteous and what's not, the Pharisees thought. Why aren't you following what we understand to be God's law? And what's interesting is that the Pharisees were, were set apart. They had studied the, the whole Old Testament. They knew all of the, the, the minor prophets and the major prophets. They had understood the Davidical law and, and all the things in Leviticus and all of those things. They, they had understood all of that well. They, they had memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They knew it in and out. And they understood God's law. And, they, and I believe their hearts were, at, at first, right. They really wanted to follow God's law to the letter. And so in doing that, unfortunately, this human impure nature of ours mixes it in and they wanted some power. And so they built a, a hedge around the law called the tradition of the elders. This, this uh, um, God may have had a truth for us to follow, but they said, well, no, this is what that means. And, and they wanted to sit in that seat of Moses as Jesus talked about and to be able to tell people what's right and what's, ro- what's wrong. Not expanding upon the word of God, but telling them this is what you should do tying heavy weights on people. And they, they thought that, they, that actually that purity is something that you put on, that these righteous acts make you pure and therefore you're pure. It's a thinking that if I act more righteous and pure, I will be and be more righteous and pure as I live. Therefore, more loved by God and more blessed. And they would think mostly materially. But the truth is, we are loved by God regardless of what we do. Made pure by Jesus and his action. Yes, we need to learn how to live pure, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But purity is a heart issue, and no amount of our actions can fix that. Isaiah 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, not pure. And all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. That's a very strong word. I won't go into that, but it just, it's really bad. <laughs> polluted garments. We all fade like a leaf and our, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So Jesus now confronts these religious leaders. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 15, verses 3 to 9. He answered them and says, Why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles his father and mother must surely die. But Jesus says, you say, you elders, if anyone tells his mother and father, or tells his mother or his father, what you you would have gained from me is given to God. In other words, I don't have to care for you because I'm, I'm doing more important religious things. That I can be reneged from my, uh, uh, Um, responsibility to family because I'm doing something for God. 
And in and, and verse 6, Jesus says he, he need not honor his father and mother. And so for the sake of your tradition, Jesus says to these elders, you have made void the word of God. And he just comes out and say, you hypocrites. Hypocrites because they're saying you should follow what they say and not what God says. You clean the outside of the cup instead of looking at the inside of the cup, Jesus said in other places. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as teaching doctrines as the teaching doctrines as excuse me teachings as doctrines the commands of man. In other words, saying that that their traditions are more important than the doctrines of the Bible. See, their actions weren't coming from a pure heart, because purity is a heart issue. Jesus had earlier said in Matthew 7, verses 16 and 17, that you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? Every healthy tree produces healthy fruit, but every diseased tree produces diseased fruit. When our heart is not pure, the fruit will be unpure. So instead of following the Bible, these guys sought to add to it and change it. But we're not to nullify or make void the Bible by trying to change its teachings and its doctrines and why it is so important for us to know what the Bible teaches. Because the Bible has some great, comforting, wonderful teachings about this whole area of purity. It teaches that God is amazing and loves us deeply. As Romans 8, uh, 38 to 39 says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. But yet we are separated because of our sin, as Isaiah 59.2 said that we just read a moment ago. But the reality is we have a redeemer. We just talked about that Jesus is our redeemer, as John 4, uh, 1 John 4.10 says. And that Jesus is our restorer. He restores us and to live pure, as 1 Corinthians 5, verses 17 and 19 say. See, Jesus is that great heart transformer. He makes us pure at the core. First uh, Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.3 says, and because of him, that's God, you are in Christ, who, because, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Big words there, but, but the word sanctification means the process of us living out our purity. It starts at the core of our being, being made pure by Jesus. When we come to faith in him, when we believe in him, admitting that we're sinful, admitting that he's the savior and then committing life his way, when we believe in him, we have redemption. That's what Ephesians 1, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. This is where it starts. We are to quit trying to collect righteousness and purity like some commodity saying if we have a lot of them, then it'll certainly counteract the bad in our life. And that's just simply not true. Our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. It doesn't counteract anything. We're impure and that's it. But the truth is if you've received Jesus at the core, you are pure. You are pure. That's the truth of it. You're pure and you're going to heaven. If you've made that profession of faith and you believe in Jesus, there's nothing in this world that can change that. You are signed, sealed, and you will be delivered. (laughs) You're pure. 
And when God looks at you, he does not see your impurity anymore. What he sees is a heart covered by the death of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. That's why we sing about blood. Not that we're gory people. Oh, the blood. We're thinking about the power of the blood. The fact that that blood covers us, not gory, weird stuff, but that, the, that his death covers us, that we now are righteous before God. And he goes, yeah, welcome home. And there's no more separation in that. We are pure, forgiven. Jesus is pure. Get that. You don't need to strive any longer. And the dust that should settle on us if you believe that you're pure. It's that simple. So much we, we strive and we expend such exhaustion in life because we feel so inadequate, so impure, so messed up. But the fact of if you have Jesus in your life, you've come to that place where you believe in him, you are saved, you are pure. So let it go. Release the weight. You've been made new. You're pure. Uh, let, let's read on. on the, there's another truth of purity. Inner purity is not outwardly all, altered. Look at verses 10 and 11. It says, and he, Jesus, called the people to him. Now, if you notice in these three ones, he's first talking to the Pharisees. Now he's talking to the people. And later on, he'll be talking to the disciples. But he called to him the people surrounding him and said, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. The word defile means to pollute this, our soul or to profane our soul or to make unclean our being. Saying actions or foods or even the dealings with others like uh, Josh talked about last week about eating with sinners does not undo what Jesus did and defiles us. Do you get that? In other words, no action, you, once you've come saved, once you've made that profession of faith, you're done with being saved. You can't earn your salvation any longer. It's done. You're pure and nothing can change that. You can't eat something to change it. You can't change it by some action. No matter how bad or heinous, it's there. You're saved. And the Pharisees taught and thought that you added to the purity by collecting righteousness. And then you can lose purity by collecting unrighteousness. And that's just not right. Nothing can change what Jesus did. All over scripture it talks like that you cannot crucify Christ again. You can't lose your salvation you can't undo what Jesus already did. If you made that profession of faith, Lord, I just believe in you and I, I realize I'm a sinner and I, I know you're my savior and I, I, with all of understanding, I believe in you. Boom, name written in the Lamb's book of life. You have been transformed on the inside. You can't change that. It's sealed, it's done. Please get that. And no longer worry about whether you're gonna be saved or not. Jesus already explained that in, in Matthew uh, twelve thirty four, the mouth speaks of that which fills the heart. And the heart is what defiles the whole person. If it's impure, so will our life be. So we have to make sure that our heart is pure. So that's the question for you today. Have you made that profession of faith?
really have you made that profession of faith? See, some think they have because they just have a a brain knowledge. Oh, I get that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet they have not really committed their life to him. Boy, make sure. And make sure that that's clear and that you've made that decision. See, Jesus is that inner restorer. He brings remission. Matthew 26, verse, uh, chapter 26, verse 28. Remission means as if it's never happened. He completely eradicates the sin from our inner core being. He provides redemption as Colossians 1, 14 says. He's, in other words, he's paid the price for our purity and our freedom. And, and he's given us renewal. Ephesians 4, verses 22 to 24 He's renovated, reformed, he's made new our soul. Yes, pure at the core. Get that, believe that. And if you have believed, received in Jesus, it's in you. That's what God sees when he looks at you. So now what are we to do about this? Here's the third truth of purity. Pure living is action from a pure heart. Jesus now speaks to his disciples those serious followers of his. And he says this in Matthew 15, verses 12 to 20. And then disciples came to him and said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? <laughs> of course they were offended because Jesus just undid their whole life system. Their whole life system was based on works uh, that you gain righteousness through doing. And Jesus said, you don't do that. Of course they're offended. They're undone. And he answered, Jesus answered, every plant that my father of heaven has not planted will be uprooted. Every truth that's put in there that's not right, he's going to uproot it. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, I can just imagine him, ah, oh, <laughs> are you still without understanding? But I feel like Peter too, sometimes we just don't get it. But Jesus says, let me repeat this. Do you see that whatever goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled? That's a nice way of saying it goes into the toilet. Um, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person. So impure heart will defile the whole person. The heart is the issue. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. There are people who will listen to their own wisdom. That's blind guides. We are to hang on the teachings and instruction of Jesus. For Jesus' way leads to pure actions. And here's three things of Jesus' way. He said it all in Matthew. The first is to love God. Here's a way that you act out your purity is to love God. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 38. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. To learn about him. That's why we're studying uh, from the rabbi. We're trying to learn about Jesus. We're to learn and then to obey, to follow his way. We're to love others. Matthew 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another. And then we're to love our neighbors. As Matthew 22, verse 39 says, the, the first commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. To reach out. Every single Christian should be reaching out to others. 
That's one of your purposes, one of my purposes. We should have our eyes tuned like the good Samaritan and notice people in need and help. And some of the greatest help we can give them is to tell them about the the love of Jesus. These actions build into our life pure living. It's not that we, we come to Jesus and we somehow, wow, now I'm pure. Everything I do is pure. <laughs> it doesn't happen automatically. We need to, to, to practice our purity. As we follow Jesus' way, we are working out our purity in life. It's like, um, how many of you have been to the paint store and, and got paint? You, know, you, you go up to the, the, the little color wheel and you go, okay, that's the color I want. You take that color over and you walk over with your can of white paint and you go, I want this color. They put it in that machine, they dial up, and this little uh, 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 colors drop into the white paint, and then they close the lid up and hand it to you, right? No. They put it in this machine, and it shakes it all up, and it just shakes it and shakes it and shakes it, and then you go, man, the whole counter's shaking, the guy next to it, he's shaking it, and it's shaking it up so, they, so the, that color gets in every area of that paint can. They hand it to you then and say, What? Make sure you stir it. Because see, to get that, that uh, dye throughout all the pain, it takes some action. It takes some, some work. In the same way, you're pure inside. That pure dye has whoo, been inserted into you. And now we need to work it out to practice that purity by following God's way. Do you get that? Does that make sense? It's not that those actions make us pure. It's that we're trying to live out that purity as we go through life. That's why we challenge you to serve God. Because as you practice that obedience of using your gifts and abilities for God's cause, you begin to work out your purity. That's why you practice uh, um, being obedient to God by trying not to sin. Try not to lie, which is our, you know, kind of our sin bent. Ooh, I want to do that. And you go, ooh, I got to stop that. That's why you memorize scripture. Go through the discipline of memorizing scripture so that when you start to kind of do the sin way, scripture goes bing in your mind. Oh, I'm supposed to be honest. Oh, yes. (laughs) It's tax time. Why did the pastor say that? But as we mix out our life, we're to see it. That's why we get involved in service. That's why we get involved in Bible reading. That's why we go to a a life group. That's why we, is to help us practice that purity, to, to live it out in our life. So it mixes in every area of our life. And it's seen in there. Yes, the human heart is not pure. And it spews out toxins that affect our life and defile us. Yet Jesus can change that when we believe. So believe and, and practice pure living. You know, it's easy uh, to be obsessed with purity outwardly. Um, you may not be as obsessed as me. <laughs> I do have a lot of Purell um, and seek to be germ-free as best as I can. Um, but we are to key into the dust of our rabbi and know that Life purity is a heart issue. And Jesus is that heart transformer. Inner purity is not outwardly altered. 
Yet Jesus is that inner restorer of our soul. Living pure or pure living is action from a pure heart where Jesus' way leads to pure actions as it's worked out in our life. 